Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith. We're gonna go deep right away. We wanna ask you the question, what are you seeking? with us. Well, before we get into our preamble, because I have a fun fact for us, mm -hmm. you're going to want to make sure you have your communion elements because we're going to be doing that at the end of service. Yep. So it's just something to drink. Um, we're going to be using grape juice, but if you have your coffee still. Last week we mentioned Kool-Aid. So. Yeah, uh, good Kool-Aid. Like, not the red one. Um, <laughs> I don't like red Kool-Aid, just fun fact. And something to eat, like cracker bread. <laughs> something like something. that. Okay, so I have a fun fact for us today. Mm -hmm. March 7th was the day that Alexander Graham Bell received his patent for the telephone. Changed the game. It did change the game. Now, we want to know about from you, are you a phone person or not? Like, Are you a are, phone person? It's hard to... Like, I don't know if I'm a good, like, any person. Like, if you get, if you send me a text, you need to have, like, the understanding that it's gonna be at least, like, a seven day reply window. Maybe longer. Um, I'm just, like, really bad at responding to text messages. Um, and I actually don't mind a phone call. Okay. I think over this season, I've, like, gotten better at phone calls. I would much rather have a text than a phone call. I just, I don't know. Actually, I think I just get distracted easily. So, <laughs> I can't just sit there and listen to you. Um, like I need to be doing something else. Well, I'm a multitasker. If, if I talk to you on the phone, there's like a good chance that I'm like, you're on speaker and I'm like doing dishes or cooking or yes. with a dog or like doing any type of activity. So I'm but, the same way. But then I find like my attention gets diverted mm -hmm. to like what's actually in front of me. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh. To the <laughs> person no on the phone that. and not really listening. So if you call me and I'm like- We're exposing ourselves All so of a sudden right feel vacant, uh, that's probably why. But what about you? I feel like maybe talking on the phone is a little bit of a dead or a, or a dying art. Yeah. Um, but are you somebody who likes to talk on the phone? And if you are, we have a little bit of a challenge for you today. Yeah. So if you are, or maybe even if you're not. Especially uh, if you're not, I think. I think this should just be a challenge for everyone. Oh, we're like, we're like jumping out of the comfort zone today. We are. Um, we want to challenge you to phone somebody today. Uh, if it's somebody that's just on your mind, or maybe it's a family member that you haven't talked to in a while, or maybe it's that friend that you have like strangely reconnected with over COVID. We wanna just encourage you to, and challenge you to phone them today. Just give them a quick call. There's something that can be like really transformative. Um, when you just have a call that's not necessarily for a purpose, but it's just to kind of catch up with somebody. Yeah, and I think as we get further and further into this COVID crisis, it's easier to retreat into ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to take that step to reach out. So uh, not right now because we're gonna be listening to Pastor Lucas, but after this, uh, make sure you pause the Well, good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever this finds you. We just wanna cover all our bases here. My name is Lucas. Thanks, Lise and uh, Marcus for opening us up today. Um, I was just thinking, I, I know I've said it before, but I wanna just say it again. Good for you, well done. Um, in this day and in this time and the way things are going, uh, you know, there's many disciplines to life. And 
that's the same for spiritual life. There are many disciplines to spiritual life, you know, things like getting up in the, in the morning and reading your Bible and spending time in prayer and thinking of others and practicing generosity. And there's all uh, practicing generosity in your time and your finances and in your talents and your abilities. There's all these different disciplines that we have to bring in. And right now in this season, the discipline that is interesting is this discipline, the one that you're doing right now. So well done. Jumping on at the same time as other people. It's one thing to, it's great. If you're here on demand, we're so glad you're here. But if you're here when we premiere this at nine o'clock Sunday mornings, uh, there's just something about that discipline of coming together, even though we can't physically be together, we can be together in the spirit and commenting, uh, doing all of that. So, so glad you're here. Well done. Um, the other day, Lisa and I were driving and we were just talking about this idea of self-promotion. You know, we live in a society that is very much about self-promotion and it feels like in many ways, like a necessary evil. If you want to, if you want to get anything done, if you want to sell a product, if you want to write a book, if you want to be a public speaker, if you want to do any of these things, it seems like self-promotion is just is just an inevitable kind of means to an end that you have to dip your toes into and get kind of used to. And uh, now before we get too self-righteous here, uh, we never really came to any conclusions on this. We were just kind of talking it through. And you know, like so many things in life, you, you talk about these things and you think about these things. And at the end of it, you're kind of just left in this sort of tension, aren't you? This tension between humility and believing in your product, in your idea, in your book, in your whatever it may be, enough that you're going to promote it. And, and part of promoting it is promoting yourself. And so there's this tension that we live in. Now, now, why do I bring this up? Well, because I was kind of struck with this thought as I read the first passages of our time together um, that John the baptizer, John the Baptist, he managed this tension and he managed it so well. And, and so just, you, you'll get it once we kind of jump in. So John chapter one, verses 35 to 37. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to help you get one. Myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And you can grab a Bible. You can get it on your phone, whether you're Android or Apple. And if you're in the Powell River region, you like a paper Bible, we would love to give you one, our gift to you. So just go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, fill out the form, and we can get that to you. So here we go. Verse 35, John 1. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Okay? So get this, the two disciples were John's disciples. They were following John. And now John makes this declaration as he sees Jesus walk by in earshot of these two disciples and these two disciples end up leaving John and they begin to follow Jesus. Now I love this moment because again, if you were with us two weeks ago, we were talking about John the Baptist and his humility, the way in which he lived out the mission that he was given in this life. And he, he has everything to lose in terms of influence here. Um, you know, in terms of the things that we define success as. 
and he has everything to lose. And yet, in the midst of this moment, he's built up this movement. He's built up his influence and his leadership. And yet he recognizes that Jesus is the one that we should follow. And so he makes this declaration and he loses a couple of disciples. And, and what we're really going to explore here today is, is a few encounters that Jesus has like this. A few origin stories of these disciples that began to follow Jesus. And later we see the Holy Spirit use them to establish the church that we are still part of today. So it's pretty significant. So we're going to take that journey. Now, as we take this journey, we, we're going to see that, that those that Jesus called, they came from very different kind of backgrounds, different ideas about who the Messiah was going to be, different kind of thought processes. In fact, one of them in our today, in our story, had a lot of doubts and skepticism about around who Jesus was. And so we're going to kind of dig into that. So let's read on. Verse 36. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Now there's two things that I want to point out in this moment. And if you're taking notes, I always encourage note taking. It just helps us process things. It helps think thoughtfully about things. And if we're talking about eternal truth, uh, it's a good thing to be thinking thoughtfully about these eternal truths because they impact our lives and they impact the lives of those around us. So the first thing is this, those exploring faith turn the head of Jesus. Those exploring faith turn the head of Jesus. And the second thing in this moment is the disciples wanted more than a casual encounter. The disciples wanted more than just a casual encounter. Now, we say it all the time here at Evangel Church, but we exist for in many ways for those that are exploring faith in Jesus. And when we say exploring faith, it's not just a casual thing. We're talking about people that are legitimately looking into the claims of the Christian faith, the claims of Jesus, the claims of the apostles that taught us what Jesus did and what that means for us. Because there's a difference between those that are exploring faith to just simply refute it and those that are exploring faith and whatever conclusions they come to, it means that they're going to change their lives as a result of it. And so we're, we're talking about this kind of moment where we're exploring faith with a legit, legitimacy to understand and to know. You know, Jesus himself, he says in Matthew 7, 7 to 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You see, there is a spiritual principle at work here. That as those who with legitimacy are seeking truth, that God will reveal truth to them. And it will it will not only just change them intellectually, but it will actually begin to reshape the way they see the world and the way they see God and the way they see their existence. It's an existential moment. Now, some of you perhaps have been jumping on our videos and watching quietly in the background, and we're so excited that you're here exploring faith with us. 
Now, these disciples, it's interesting. These disciples, they're kind of following Jesus from a distance. As you read this passage, it, it seems to be that they kind of are just following Jesus, not, it, not in a, in a, as their teacher kind of way, but literally he's walking down the road and they're kind of creeping behind him, right? It seems a little bit creepy. It seems a little bit weird, but they're trying to um, follow Jesus and be in proximity to him, to see if there's some open doors that can happen. Now, what's interesting about this is, is Jesus turns to them and he asks this question. So here's the disciples, they're following Jesus. They want to know Jesus. That turns the head of Jesus. Those exploring faith turn the head of Jesus. He turns his head and, and what does he ask them? He asks them probably one of the most existential questions that you can ask. He, he, he asks, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Can I, can I ask you in this moment? What are you seeking? You're all here for a reason. Maybe, maybe for some of you it's obligation. But maybe some of you, you are seeking. You are looking for something. You're looking for something true about this world that makes sense. And that clarifies things for you. What are you seeking? And, and Jesus is... You know, he's not asking this question as a, a casual kind of encounter moment or as, as an icebreaker. Jesus is intentionally drilling down on the intentions and the expectations of these two guys that are following him. What are you seeking? In my life, there have been a few kind of iterations of this question being asked of me. Moments when, you know, God shows up in my life to kind of recalibrate my compass. And he'll ask this question, what are you seeking? It's such a, a, a great question to help us recalibrate what we're doing, what we're prioritizing, what we're chasing, what we're pursuing. What are you seeking? And, and too often the answer is I'm seeking my own gain or my own kingdom or my own self-righteousness. And if you're not catching the reference in terms of self-righteousness, go back two weeks. We had a video entitled Humility, Repentance, Repeat. Humility, Repentance, Repeat. And this is pursuit of true righteousness and, and kind of laying down this alternative that we've picked up so many times of self-righteousness that doesn't work and it's broken. But we, here we have this deep existential moment and the disciples' reply is, is kind of telling to us. They ask, Master, where are you staying? So they're, what they're really asking here is they want more than just a casual encounter. You know, so often in our culture, we'll see someone famous or someone with influence and, you know, we'll kind of like, hey, can I, can I get a quick selfie? Can I impose on you for a selfie or can I get you autographed? And in many ways, the disciples might have been tempted to kind of do this, just to have this kind of casual encounter in the street with Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one that they believed to be the Lamb of God, as John testified of that to them. But instead, they ask, where are you staying? And then Jesus replies, you know, come and see. There is this hunger to be in proximity to Jesus, to spend time with him, to get to know him, to be with him. They want, to be, they want to spend time with this man who John the Baptist declared to them the Lamb of God. 
And they're serious about exploring the possibility that Jesus is more than just a man, a teacher, and a rabbi. How about you? What are you seeking? And if, if, you, find, if you find him and he turns his head and he engages you, do you seek just simply a casual encounter to help just stroke your conscience? Or are you seeking proximity to your creator, to your savior, to your Lord? Are you seeking to sit at his feet and learn and to reshape the way you think and reshape the way you live and reshape the behaviors of your life? What are you seeking? Is it a casual encounter? Or are you seeking time and proximity to Jesus? Now, make no mistake, we're all on a journey of faith. Whether you believe in God, you don't believe, like it doesn't matter. We all are on a journey of faith. And my question is, in the midst of this spectrum of faith, where, where do you land in this? Are you exploring? Are you curious about our origins? Are you curious about God and his creation and what that means for you and, and his son that came to bring life? What are you seeking? But for those of you that are skeptical, um, that's okay. We're so glad you're here. Because there were skeptics in the scriptures as well. There are skeptics that had proximity to Jesus as well. We're going to explore this next piece. Because though these two disciples kind of are our model and a description of those that are actively exploring faith, act, actively pursuing Jesus, there are those that aren't. Those that are skeptical. Those that um, their encounter is going to look a little bit different and in the scriptures, as Jesus is selecting and, and bringing around those that will follow him and be his disciples, we have such a person that was skeptical, had doubts right from the get-go. So if you have your Bibles, let's, let's jump over to 43, verse 43, John 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, there's no doubt about it. Nathaniel was a skeptic. He had his doubts. He, he points out kind of the underwhelming origins of Jesus. You know, Jesus from Nazareth? Like, Jesus from that small town just off the highway that just has a gas station? Are you, are you talking about that, Jesus? 
That, that seems like pretty humble beginnings. That seems like unlikely origins. And I love this because Philip could have sat there debating um, Nathaniel. You know, Philip was excited. He's like, come meet this Jesus. He, he is the, the one who the prophets have spoken of. And he's all excited. And, and in this moment, he could have started like an argument with Nathaniel, trying to argue him into this moment. And instead, what is, what is his reply? He just simply says, come and see. Come and witness it for yourself. I've witnessed it. I'm sold. I'm on board. I'm on the team. But you just come and witness it. And it's such a profound kind of moment for Philip. What, what a wise kind of reply and moment. And too, too often, I think skeptics to the Christian faith kind of do as Nathaniel did. You know, Jesus, you know, isn't that the guy that comes from, now we wouldn't say Nazareth nowadays, but we might say, isn't, isn't that the guy that comes from the Christian church, the church down the road that I've had a bad experience with? You know, all it takes is a bad reputation of, of churches or, or leaders or pastors, or you might say, you mean, you mean Jesus? You know, is that the one that comes from um, the TV preachers? <laughs> and nothing, nothing good comes from the t TV preachers. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit that there are some Christians and churches and yes, TV preachers that absolutely suck. I will be the first to admit it. They anger me. There are people that just anger me because they give such a poor representation and reputation to Jesus. But here's where I would push back on your pushback. You might say Jesus that comes from that church or that Christian leader or that person that fell publicly or that. And you have all these excuses, these origins of where you think Jesus comes from. But here's the deal. I would ask you like Philip to just come and see. And I think you'll find that he doesn't come from there at all. And in fact, the whole point of John writing in this first chapter is making the very solid argument that Jesus is eternal, that Jesus was from the beginning and has no beginning. Churches, pastors, leaders, TV preachers, they, they aren't the origin of Jesus. Jesus was the one that established the church. Jesus is the one that established the gospel message. Jesus is the one who established these things. And it's up to us to try to represent him as well as we can. And, and, and unfortunately, in our, our humanness, there are those that have not done a very good job of representing what he stands for. And his heart, his mercy, his grace, his love, his judgment. All of those components of what makes Jesus, Jesus. And we've, we've done a poor job. Now, that's not everyone. That's not everyone. But come and see. Don't let the reputation of a preacher or a person or a church or your experience of the past be your excuse to be skeptical. Come and see. Come and witness for yourself and then make your mind up. This is such a beautiful moment for Nathaniel. You know, he shows up and then Jesus is the one who changes his mind. Jesus is the one that speaks this kind of word 
over him. That reveals that he knows what Nathaniel was even doing before Philip got to him. It's kind of this, this moment where, where, where Jesus kind of looks into his soul. And in that moment, Nathaniel just knows. He's convinced. He knows Jesus is who he says he is. Notice Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Have you ever been to a social gathering where you don't know anyone? Um, I'm an introvert. Uh, I, I would rather jump out of a plane with a parachute than go to a social gathering where I, I don't know anybody and I'm the only one that just walks in and I don't know anybody. Like those, those are intimidating for me. Um, it, it's just, it, it's an interesting kind of dynamic for me. A lot of anxiety, a lot of what do I say? What do I do? How do I act? Where do I stand? I, I, I literally will overthink every moment of that strategizing. Do I stand by the food? Do I stand against the wall? Do I, do I just find the person that looks friendliest and just try to make a connection and then hopefully they can connect me through? All these things are running through my mind when I go into those kind of circumstances. But then... In those moments, have you ever experienced that moment where, where someone comes up to you and they kind of declare, you know, I know you. And you, you might not know them, but they kind of know of you or they know you through a friend. Or, and have you ever had that moment where you just have this kind of sigh of relief and they seem halfway normal and you, you feel like you can maybe connect with them? And, and you kind of just have this exhale, like, like you, you feel known. And in feeling known, you feel valued and you feel a part and that begins to change and they begin to introduce you around and connect you. And that, that completely changes the anxiety and the worry and the thinking and the strategizing and the overthinking. And all of a sudden you feel known, you feel at home, you feel a part of this moment. Now, I want you to think of that kind of beautiful kind of moment of being known and and, and even as casual as that example is, I want you to contrast it with the thought of the one who created you knowing you. I want you to think about Nathaniel's kind of moment here. He's coming to meet a stranger who's just been kind of declared to him as the son of God, as the lamb, as the Messiah, the long awaited one who is going to bring freedom to Israel and they have this kind of moment where he's coming towards him. And I'm sure there's anxiety and there's tensions and there's all these things. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks with such knowledge of who he is. And it changes the dynamic forever for Nathaniel. And he becomes convinced. He feels at home. He feels he's in the right place at the right time to meet the right one who's going to change his life forever. This is what happens when we come and see when you kind of put aside your excuses and you come and see. And then Jesus turns his head and he knows you and he speaks your name and he understands your situation and he understands your brokenness and your skepticisms and your doubts. And yet in that moment, he calls you by name and accepts you. And in that moment, as you, as you explore faith, as you come and see, Jesus turns his head and he meets you the rest of the way. 
And that's the moment that changes everything. Now, before we close, I want to rabbit trail for a moment. Earlier, I was kind of venting. Um, <laughs> I was venting about those that misrepresent Jesus in this world, you know, whether it's churches or leaders or, or TV preachers or whatever, whatever the case may be. And uh, unfortunately, that, that it's a shame that that happens. And what's so brutal about that is it, it does create so much skepticism. And it gives, it kind of is like this gift for those that don't, don't want to thoughtfully explore what the implications of God being God and Jesus being God are. And so they're able to take these kind of reputation things, these, these missteps of the church or of leaders, and they can use it as an excuse to, you know what, that's not for me. I'm going to move on. And they, they allow that to kind of misrepresent Jesus and it gives them the excuse to not then pursue this exploration of faith in him. Now, we've all had these encounters with people like this. And I, I do want to say this, though, because sometimes we can kind of go to extremes. Humanity, human beings, we're very good at going to extremes. If we grew up this way, often we'll either stay that way or we won't go to the middle often. We'll kind of come over here to this extreme, you know, and... What I want to say here is the church was established by Jesus. Now, now Jesus didn't, you know, the church didn't establish Jesus. Jesus established the church. So though I'm talking about, you know, it's a shame that there are those and it is a minority that kind of misrepresent and, and do horrible, horrible kind of misrepresentations of Jesus and his teachings and his way. The church is still an important part of this equation because when jesus calls you he also calls you to the church he calls you to the family of god to the connectedness because none of us were meant to do this faith journey alone there's 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 power in numbers there's uh influence there's accountability there's growth there's uh, uh kind of pushing each other into things of righteousness and holiness and and growing and getting excited about mission and there's just something powerful about the church. So when, when I talk about, and I, I disparage kind of earlier, I'm not disparaging the church. The, the church and, the, and, and believers coming together with a common purpose is essential to the Christian faith. So I, I don't want you to get the idea that somehow just come to Jesus and just bypass all that other stuff. Uh, they, they go hand in hand. Jesus first. But then he invites us into the family of God, into the church, into this missional community. So just that's my caveat. I hope that you hear that, hear my heart in that. So let's pray. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you know Jesus intimately. And you, you started that journey years ago where you got on the road and you followed him. And he turned to you and he spoke your name and everything changed. But maybe you're exploring faith right now and you're kind of on the road and you're trailing behind and you're kind of walking and watching and can i can i just invite you right now in this moment come and see come and see take the leap because it's one thing to hear someone talk about jesus and and talk about christianity and talk about this way of god it's another thing to have an encounter with him where he speaks your name and there's intimate moment that changes everything. So I want to invite you into that moment.
I want you to invite you to put aside your, your excuses, uh, the things that you have picked up along the way to kind of keep God at arm's length, the brokenness of church people and reputations and whatever your past experiences, all the things we use as excuses. Can I just challenge you to put those down in this moment and just to simply say, okay, God, if you're for real, I want to have an encounter with you. I want to see you. I want to know you. If you're real, I'm going to come and see. I'm going to come and see in this moment. So Lord, I just pray for everyone right now exploring faith in Jesus. That they, they would have a come and see moment. That Lord, as they, as they explore faith, legitimately, <laughs> putting aside all the different questions and doubts and skepticisms and, and just simply saying, okay, Lord, if this is for real, I, I want to know you. I want to have an encounter with you with all sincerity. Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would just do something powerful in their lives, wherever they're watching, that Lord, you would speak their name, that Lord, you would just speak over their past, speak over their experiences, speak over their brokenness, that Lord, you just give them such a sense of hope for the future, such a sense, Lord, that there is more to this world than what just meets the eye, and that Jesus, you would be, by this Holy Spirit, you would be introduced to each and every one, exploring faith in Jesus right now. And for those, Lord, that know you, that have been following you and traveling with you and, and walking in proximity to, to, with you, Lord, I pray that there would just be such a deepening of that relationship, such a deepening, Lord God, of the understanding of who you are and who they are as a result of that. And God, that we would be people with, with the mission of the gospel in front of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for just taking the time to explore faith with us today. And God bless you. I'm just going to turn it over to Pastor Marcus and Pastor Lisa to take it from here. Well, thank you, Lucas, for that reminder to seek Jesus. And that, you know what, even in our skepticism, um, Jesus finds us and he wants to reveal himself to us and that is part of what this table is about. It's a time of remembering what Jesus did to save us, to have a relationship with us and it's a relationship that's free of all of the rules and restrictions that were there in the law and I am so thankful that we live on this side um, of Jesus, that we have that way that is full of grace and mercy. It's full of surrender still, mm -hmm. like the law was, but but just this, um, it's free of that burden mm -hmm. of feeling like you have to strive to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, in 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus kind of clues us into the fact that this like post him relationship with God is going to be very, very different than how all of those centuries had been of the Jews following the law in order to have a relationship with God. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11, 23. And this is reflecting Jesus's words in the gospel. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we saw throughout all of the law that the sacrifices 
were required in order to appease the justice of God. And this is a moment where Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to take that on my own physical body and I am going to be broken to appease the justice of God. So let's partake together. In the same way, it goes on in 1 Corinthians, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And throughout the law, the sacrifices had a time limit. They only uh, forgave sin for so long and it was always the sin that had already been done. There was no ongoing forgiveness of sin. And as Jesus died on that cross, he paid that penalty once and for all so that we could live in a relationship with God that is free of all of that burden. And so in that hope and in that rejoicing, let's partake together. Well, as we close in communion, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much that you are with us here in this moment together. That Holy Spirit, you are binding us together in unity, even though we're so far away from each other and in our own homes, uh, you are still with each one of us and we are with each other together by your Spirit. And so we're so thankful that we can remember, Jesus, what you did for us on that cross, the, the incredible display of love and obedience that you uh, showed to us so that we can experience, like Pastor Lisa said, that freedom to love you, that freedom to continue to worship you, that freedom uh, from the sin and bondage and um, even burden of the law that we had on our, on our shoulders before you came. We're so thankful that you are helping us piece those puzzles together as we seek you uh, in every day. And so God, I pray that as we continue to seek you today and as we continue to uh, just reflect on what this means for us, that you would continue to illuminate truth for our lives and that you continue to walk with us in all that we do. We thank you so much for each person that is here. I pray that you would bless them and bless uh, this moment together. We thank you and we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. And if we could pray for you, just visit us online, myevangel.church forward slash prayer, and our team would be so delighted to mm -hmm. be able to journey with you no matter what your look, life looks like right now. Have a great week. See you, friends.